Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to tell you about this podcast. It's called The DK Project, but it's really The Darren Show. The DK Project is a radio show, but without the radio. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Let's go! Welcome back to The DK Project. Listen up, all you Project fans. I got a hot one for you here today. Hold on a minute. Let me uh, Let me take care of this first. All right, now that my seatbelt is securely fastened, sit back, listen to this one. This is a crazy story. What a fun time we had with Lisa. She is a great guest. She is an author with a new book coming out called I Am That Girl. Lisa Bagby zooms in for today's podcast. It's a little bit longer one, but boy, what an adventure. It is a fun little story. So make sure you sit back and uh, enjoy the show. Uh, Without further ado, Lisa Bagby. Welcome back, podcast listeners. It's Darren with the DK Project. And on the phone, actually zooming in today, new technology, we've got Lisa Bagby. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I uh I I just we were talking a little before we got on air. You are out in uh the West Coast, and uh you've got this same crappy weather we got. I mean, I'm in Minnesota and we are the new the new Seattle man. It is just brutally ugly gray every day. You get a little bit of sunshine. I I, I don't know how. And you guys have that all the time, don't you? No, Oregon's no? beautiful. We have it every other day, maybe. Oh, what is, I can what, live what with is that. winter? What is winter like? Um. Well, I'm close to the coast, so it's wet and windy. Okay. Um. And it's green. It's still beautiful. Yeah. There you go. What a positive attitude. We've got Lisa on the show today because she's got a book coming out. Is this your first book? It is my first book. What's the uh, What's the title? Do you have a title picked out yet? I do. The name of my book is I Am That Girl. I Am That Girl. I like it. What uh What do we What What brought you into being an author? Have this Is this like been your life's mission? How How did this come about? I actually have never thought about writing anything and I've never had before. Um, my life in the last two years has completely changed a hundred degrees. I've had some pretty rough times and I lived through some pretty, um, horrific events. Uh-oh. I was traumatized and I decided the only way to take my life back was to start writing and telling my story. Oh, I see. So, so walk us through it. What uh, give us the backstory? What what were you doing? You're you're an EMT, correct? Correct. So what what I changed? Had, what happened? I had a fairy tale um, life. I lived on a farm, a ranch, with lots of animals. Had a great job. I had a great husband, the love of my life, and he passed away suddenly to pancreatic cancer on March second, two thousand eighteen. Ouch. Um, that's when my life started falling apart. I didn't know how to live without him. I lost my best friend. Um, I had to learn to use a chainsaw and cut wood and do all the chores by myself Nice. and take care of the animals and take care of the property and, um, be self-sufficient. So every day was a battle just missing him. I would cry and I would beg for him to come and take me with him. But obviously he did didn't he didn't have that power i guess wow so what so so, you had you have a big like a like a hobby farm or what what do you what do you got out there um 
I have 30 acres and I have some forest land and I have um, lots of little animals, wow. chickens, horses, donkey, pigs. So even, so even with somebody, you got your hands full. That's a full exactly. Jeez. That's crazy. So then, so then uh, this was out of the blue. You didn't, he wasn't sick or anything. Just bam, pancreatic cancer. <laughs> yes. He was a strong man. Um, he was a logger all of his life. He was strong and healthy. Never went to the doctor. Um, the only surgery he had was his knees replaced. And one day I came home from work and I said, babe, why are you yellow? And he said, well, if you think that's bad, you should see my urine. And, you know, that's nothing for me. I'm an EMT. I've always worked in the medical field. I'm like, okay, let me see your urine. So I had him pee in a coffee cup and I looked at his urine. I'm like, you need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the hospital. And he's like, no, I'm fine. I feel fine. What was wrong like, with no, his urine? you need to go. It was orange, like iodine color. Ooh, that's a bad sign. Okay. Yeah. So we went into um, the doctor's office and they said he should go into the hospital and it'd be faster to get labs because we are in a small town. Okay. So I took him to the hospital and they pretty much confirmed what it was before they even got the biopsy back. And it was close to stage four. Really? And Yeah. And they gave him... Three to six months. He had a couple of rounds of chemo and a couple of surgeries, and he passed away in 30 days. Wow. There were no other signs until he there turned yellow? There were no, no other signs. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. How old of a cat was he? He was 58. Wow. So the when do they got to start doing the, the, the uncomfortable procedures for men? That's at 50, isn't it? I don't know. I'm not there yet. Yes. So and he had all this done, but none of it, he he didn't, none of them found anything. That's crazy. No, he even, he even had a bone scan done a couple months before this diagnosis. Nothing showed up anywhere. Really? Wow. So then 30, so walk me through that. I mean, I obviously, uh, wow. Is this, is this what the book is about? No. Oh, okay. So then you can it goes us. downhill from there, oh, if you can imagine this that. Was, this was the, the high point? Uh-huh. What about, uh, so, so, okay, so, and, and by all means, if we're touching a nerve here, then you tell me, because, you know, obviously I'm going to probe. But, uh, uh, so, you come home from the doctor with this diagnosis, and they give you 30 days. What's the first thing you do? Like, holy crap, that's bad. They actually gave us three to six months. Okay. Okay, three, three to six months. So what, what do you, so do you make a list? Here's the things I got to do? Or do you just say, oh, that's bullshit. I think, I think you know, I'm, I'm going to outlive that. I, um, he, he was quiet. Um, he just basically uh, was quiet. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not going to happen. You, there's no way there's no cancer in your family. You're healthy. You can fight this. We can fight this. I'll, I will stay home with you. I took leave. I stayed home with him every day. I read everything I did, everything I could um, to try to learn about it. We did, like I said, two rounds of the strongest chemo that he could um, stand. So did they they change your diet and your, you know, aside from chemo, I got a buddy who's going through it right now and they actually, it's not chemo. They gave him radiation to where he's like glow in the dark. He's, he's like a nuclear Mm -hmm. power plant right now, but, uh, so they give you, so they give him chemo and then you're stuck at home going through the, the, you know, the, the downside of that, or, I mean, what are you doing? This is crazy. 
Well, he had the chemo and it, it stayed with him at home for seven days. So he would go with it for seven days and without it for seven days and then had it back again for seven days. And losing um, all of his hair and, and uh, going through all the nasty stuff that chemo does to you. Oh, geez, everything happened so fast. He lost 60 pounds in a month. Wow. All really? I could do was get him to drink tea, maybe. Um, he slept a lot. He wasn't in any pain, but wow. he was just tired and he just withered away. I would have to shower him and toilet him. Oh. It was a very difficult time. Wow. So uh, did he, how long did he, how long did he make it after the diagnosis? 30 days. Exactly. He stayed home and I took care of him. And on the last um, evening he said, babe, I don't think I can handle another night like this. Oh. And I said, okay, do you would do you want to go to the hospital? And he said, yes. So I took him to the hospital and I stayed with him and he passed away at two 30 in the morning. Wow. That's horrible. I, uh, wow. That is incredible. What do you, uh, so how long were you married? We were married over 10 years, but I've known him forever. His dad fished with my dad Wow. and we're best friends. And then when his dad passed away, then he fished with my dad and they were best friends. So, Wow. He was part of our lives for a long time. I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of a little bit afraid to ask what happened next because you said this was. Well, are we working the field or what are we doing? Are you are you out roping doggies? <laughs> um, so a year and a half later, I was doing my thing. I was surviving. I was getting stronger. Um, it was a challenge every day. A year and a half later, I was introduced to this man. He was, um, I was introduced by a mutual friend. She was an elderly lady and she was a ranch woman and she had the greatest things to say about him. He grew up as a farm boy. What's, he worked uh, on her what, ranch. What is all that noise though? I can't have that. <laughs> I can't cut that out. Oh, are you, are it's you raining? Oh, is it really? Okay. All right. We're good. We're good. I just, I, I, if it happens, don't talk. Cause then I can cut it out. But, it, but if you're talking okay. at the same time, I can't cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So she, better? So, so yeah, much better. So this elderly lady okay. introduces you to this man, like uh, for uh -huh. a relationship situation or what? Um, he was just coming down to visit her, and she's like, "Hey, you should go out with us and have dinner." And I never went out. I didn't really go anywhere. I didn't have friends. Um, I never went to bars. I wasn't looking to date anyone. I was pretty self sufficient, and I was pretty happy staying on my mountain and um, doing what I needed to do. Right, right. Oof. So then what? So I decided, I agreed to go with them, and I met him. Um, he was a, he worked on her ranch for years, and then he um, got a job driving a train. Got, what? Got a drop, got a job driving a train. Was it, was he in yes. the railroad field? Like Yes, oh, he was okay. a train engineer. He went to school and became a train engineer. Did he wear the hat all the time? <laughs> not that I saw. He did not have the little hat. Okay. He, he could have had that. He could have had the hat in that black bag, though. I'm not sure. I never went through the black bag. Oh, what's the black bag? Well, we'll get to that point. All right. All right. Uh, I can't onward. tell you everything. <laughs> okay. So I met him, and he wasn't um, a handsome guy. He was um, 
not someone I w- would have ordinarily considered dating, but he was very, very kind, probably the nicest man that I've ever met. And so he befriended me and we were friends for about two months before um, I decided to give it dating a try with him. It was easy. He was a big guy and, and he would hold me and I felt safe and I hadn't felt that way in since my husband passed away. And he said all the right things and did all the right things. And I loved him as a friend. I loved him as a lover and I trusted him and I believed in him. I had no reason not to. It's that time again, folks. Time to enjoy summer. And what's more summer than ice cream? The Lost Lake Creamery is open. We have made some changes for your safety during these difficult times, but we still have 24 flavors of ice cream, shakes, malts, and root beer floats. Check out our new website at lostlakecreamery.com. You can bike, boat, walk, drive, however you want to get here. We are located at 5575 Shoreline Drive, just off the Dakota Bike Trail in the Harbor District of Mound, at the end of the Lost Lake Channel on the north end of Cooks Bay of Lake Minnetonka. Open every day. Stop in and see us today. And remember, ice cream fixes everything. Welcome back. To the DK Project. Project. All right, all right. And then, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and then, okay, so I saw him um, maybe twice a week. He drove a train from the Seattle area to Portland, stayed the night at the Ritzius Motel the railroad provided him with, and he would drive it to Walla Walla, which was his hometown, and then back again to Portland, and then back again to the Seattle area. And he had lots of money. He um, gave me his Toyota Tacoma to drive to meet him because, you know, I didn't leave my mountain. And I, I, with him, my tears dried up and I wanted to adventure off. I didn't want to just sit there on the mountain and die. I wasn't old. You know, I had to get out. And with him, we had great adventures. Nice. Okay. So, um, gosh, I never met any of his friends. I never met any of his family. He never asked me to, but it never came up because it seemed like the time that we had together was well spent having fun, laughing, hiking, um, road trips, swimming, kayaking. There was never a dull moment. There wasn't enough time to say, hey, do you want to go home and meet my parents? Plus, we were adults. And I never introduced him to my dad. You know, it just never came up. It was a two and a half month relationship. Ooh, okay, okay. So nobody's met so, this guy. You haven't been around anybody. So is this person real? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yes, the only person that I introduced him to was my 20-year-old son who still lived at home at the time. And he, my son was working and also he was going to college. Okay. And he, he really liked him as well and um, believed in him and trusted him. And he be- befriended him as well. Okay. There was nothing to dislike about this guy. All right. All right. I was just looking for somebody who I uh, could pinpoint him, like identify that this wasn't a make-believe thing. That, well, that sounded like where we were headed. <laughs> well, we kind of are. <laughs> all right. You're all much right. better. You're you're much better at this than I am. <laughs> no, go ahead. Hey. Now, uh, now what? Okay, Your son's so... met him, and uh, you guys are having a fun old time. And he's. I still like the idea of driving the train. You know how much money there is in the railroad world. <laughs> That's legit. You know. I can only imagine from his emails and what some of these railroad workers were into. I can only imagine how much money there's in it, but Uh, that's a different story. That's a different chapter. Number two. (laughs) So anyway, on 
September 1st, he went missing. All right. He got up out of my bed and he had the strangest look on his face. Was he living at your house already? No. Oh. We would see each other one day, one or two days a week, usually two days. And sometimes we would, yeah, we would be everywhere. And this was like, um, Labor Day weekend or something, a three-day weekend. We had big plans, do big things, hike and right. all kinds of stuff. And so he woke up the mor- morning of September 1st. After I I woke up, I looked at his phone. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he jumps out of bed. He kind of tosses his phone at me. It doesn't hit me with it. Just um, an urgency to get the phone out of his hands like it was a hot potato. Okay. And he had this look on his face that scared me. I was frozen. I've never seen this look. I've never seen these eyes. I've never seen um, this person. He's never made me feel that way before, but I felt like something was drastically happening. Uh-oh. And so he put on his shoes and his black pants are beside the bed from the day before. And he grabbed that black bag, black work bag, duffel bag, mm-hmm. And he walked out of my house and I watched him walk up my driveway until I couldn't see him anymore. And I laid there frozen. I didn't know what was happening. I was startled. I was a little scared to move. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, It was just weird. It was the weirdest gut feeling. It was just a horrible feeling. I couldn't get up. I didn't get up for a couple hours. And then I... What could have happened? Well, I picked up his phone. Uh-oh. It wasn't locked or anything. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails dating back from 2012. Vile emails, illegal stuff going on. Stuff that I didn't even understand that I would have to Google some of the language to find out what they were talking about. Oh. Pictures. Pictures of people, men that look like women and women that look like men and people that looked really young and Uh-oh. he went by at least 10 different names. Really? Um, Were these emails I, or what are we talking about? Yeah, these are emails and I, weirdo alert. I was just in shock. And you knew nothing about this up to this point. No. Uh-oh. And so I got a little, got myself together a little bit. And I said, I asked my son, I'm like, what is this? What is going on? He's like, oh my gosh, mom, I'm so sorry. What a sad life. And he's like, he was beside himself. And he's like, what do we do? I'm like, well, I'm kind of scared to go outside. Yeah. (laughs) This person is in my house. He left with this look on his face that I've never seen before. This person that I don't know, obviously, I live on a mountain alone, no close neighbors. And I was kind of scared to go outside. Uh Oh, and so I looked at, he always talked about, he grew up with this kid, this guy named Nick, and it was his best friend. I never met him. So I called Nick and I told him what had happened and that he was missing. He'd gone, he was gone. And I didn't feel like, you know, I was kind of scared to go up on the mountain and look for him at that point. So he left and did he drive or did he leave on foot? No, he left on foot. Both of his vehicles were still in my yard in my front yard. All right. And so I called the sheriff's office and they're like, well, we don't think we're not going to come looking for him today. 
um, we'll be out tomorrow. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so um, I kind of walked around on this side of my mountain, yelling at him, yelling for him, telling him that everything was okay. Come back and talk to me. I learned that he had a second phone that I never knew about. Mm. So I would call the second phone number and try to get a hold of him. It did ring a couple times, but there was no answer. And then it just went dead. It was like it was shut off or something. Wow. I, How'd you find I that found phone out, number? It was all over his emails. And plus, um, I found out my son had seen it in the truck that I was driving, but he didn't think anything um, unusual about it. Okay. And so I knew he had a second phone and that number was on some of those emails along with, with hundreds of names, addresses um, of hundreds of people. <laughs> it was uh -oh. craziness. He never deleted anything. Uh oh, 2012, dating back to 2012. Cuckoo bird. All right. And so, so how, so how thinking, much time goes by when the, when the sheriff says, eh, we'll get out there tomorrow. <laughs> like, do they, 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 <laughs> whatever, we'll get there when we get there. What kind of town are you living in? Uh, it's a small town. <laughs> and so the Barney sheriff's Fife. department shows up on the second, um, I think it was the second, at about 11 o'clock. And they go down to the end of my county road, which is past my house. And they, my son's like, they stop by, they want you to meet them down there. Because I just got back from a doctor's appointment because I had a seven centimeter mass in my uterus. And I was planning to have surgery on September 17th. Obviously had to reschedule that. <laughs> Did you break a mirror so, or something? <laughs> I know. So I go down to the gate, the forest gate, uh, forest land gate, where the police are all set up with their search and rescue and stuff. I'm like, why are you starting here? I'm like, my house is right there. And I have trails going from my house across my mountain to the forest. I said, we never walked on the road. And they're like, oh. So anyway, I went out with search and rescue. We didn't find anything. So then they went back to my house and asked if they could look around. I said, absolutely. So they looked around um, all afternoon and everything, and I was just tired. You know, I was I was sick, and I was tired. I was bleeding to death. Um, I was just sitting there waiting at their search and rescue thing in case they needed anything. Anyway, the two detectives came back, and they're like, well, we're calling the search off because he either met someone, had one of his contacts meet him at the end of the road at the highway, and he's at some bar in Portland, or... He's committed suicide, basically, because they looked, read all of his emails and everything, and they knew what he was into. They knew what reason he would have done that. It had nothing to do with me. I didn't know about him. I didn't know he was married. Wow. Um, I didn't know Where about him. Where was his wife? It, or was it his wife? wife? I guess it could have been a significant other. The way <laughs> no, it, it was his wife. They, <laughs> they were married since high school, and she lived in, in a town close to Walla Walla. Walla Walla. Have you talked to her? I did talk to her once and she told me that she knew about some of these emails um, in 2014 where he was messaging people saying that she died in a car accident and he was trying to hook up with people. Mm. And um, he used to drive off all the time threatening to kill himself and she would always jump in the vehicle with him so that it was like his way of controlling her. It's like, well, I'm doing these things, but if you don't let me do these things, then I'm going to go kill myself. Wow. So that's how he controlled her. So they went to marriage counseling and all of that. But she, according to her, she had thought that all of this has stopped. Okay. So 
When he wasn't at your house, he was at her house? <laughs> I I would like to know where he was. Oh. I don't I don't have those answers. I never oh, questioned him. I didn't man. think I had to. I didn't think that I had I he drove a train. Obviously he could back it pass any background check or that did there he? was or any drug test did or we anything ever see else. Him on I mean, the train? Did we huh? did we ever see him on the train? Oh, yes. I, I know he drove the train right. because sometimes I would drop him off at the train um, place for his shift. And then I would pick him up in Portland after he got off the train. Um, I carried a, the black duffel bag to and from the motel room for him sometimes. It was a heavy bag. I don't know what was in the bag. I never looked in the bag. Oh, I didn't know I had man. to strip search the guy to realize who I was dating. You should have went in the bag. Ugh. All right. So I we, know. We didn't go in the bag. We didn't go in the bag. All right. We, we can't change that. We're just going to deal never with it. Never went in the bag. Never looked at the phone. There never was no called red the wife. <laughs> I didn't know about the wife. Okay. So, so, I, don't so mean, I don't mean to laugh, but it's funny looking back at it now because there's there's a few clues here you missed. The black bag. There were no clues. You always look in the bag. So anyway, you. It was his work bag. <laughs> sure, sure it was. He never but wore the I hat. This time, if I'll he would have had the hat, that would be different. But if he doesn't have the hat, maybe he was just dry, riding the train. Maybe he was running drugs on the train. I don't know. I haven't heard that part of the story yet. All right, continue. Continue where okay. you were. We now know there's okay. a wife, and uh, she does she know about all these other little weirdos on his phone? Well, she said she saw a few of them where he said that his wife died and he was trying to hook up with people. And she went, they went to marriage counseling and she thought that was the end of it. Okay. All right. So, so then what? So then, um, I don't know, a week later, I called the sheriff's department again because these Seattle railroad workers were harassing me. They were his friends. They were probably some of them were involved in whatever he was involved with. These are full grown men. And they're Why are harassing, they harassing you. They're, they're texting me. They're calling me. There's 50 of us and there's one of you. Um, the reports were that I murdered him. The reports were that he was found buried on my property. There was all these false reports that started right here in my hometown from the reporter right here in my hometown what? that reported. Yeah, that reported that he was buried on my property. Was he? He he later had to redact that story. But we he asked didn't the hard hitting questions. Was he? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So where is he? He had to redact he had to redact that story, but he didn't redact it saying, I'm sorry I falsely reported. I'm sorry I lied. I'm sorry I didn't even interview her or even ask to interview her to get sure. the truth. I just went with the these um, lies that these bully harassing Seattle guys uh, were telling everyone in my small town when I'm the only one that was looking for the guy. I never stopped looking for him for 17 days. Wow. And you found no, no leads, no, like nothing, no, no clues, nothing. Well, when the week later, <laughs> I called wandering aimlessly <laughs> in the woods for 17 days, you got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So I called the sheriff's office and I'm like, I need you guys to come pick up these vehicles. I have a hundred thousand dollars worth of vehicles sitting in my driveway. I have them chained together with a logging chain with a padlock because of these Seattle guys harassing me. I don't know what's in the vehicles. They've never been searched. Oh. I'm responsible for them because they're sitting in my damn yard. Yeah. I don't want them. I want them gone, but I don't know what to do with them. I don't know who to give them to. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. 
So I called the sheriff's office. I'm like, I want you to come get these. I want you to come get his wallet, his cell phone, his keys. I want everything out of my house because I was scared. He didn't have his wallet? He left everything at my house. And the first time the sheriff's office came, they didn't take anything. <laughs> they called off the rest search and rescue. They knew that what he probably had done. They left everything at my house. Okay. So a week later, I called and asked the sheriff's department to come get everything. So they did. And they're like, do you mind if we look around again? I'm like, sure. So they did. And they left again. And so I had thought they, when they search your property, you think they search your property, correct? Yeah, you'd think. Well, they searched like one quarter of my property. They didn't search my house. They didn't search my shop. They didn't search the vehicles. They didn't search. They searched one quarter of my property where I had had a couple test holes dug by a local contractor to see if I had the right um, rock content for a rock quarry. Okay. So they searched on those two spots that were previously dug, um, geez, in February, March by a local contractor who verified that's what the holes were. Okay. Okay. So a quarter of my property was searched. Well, for 17 days, I searched, like I said, I live on a dead end road that leads to, is connected to thousands of miles of forest land. There's no motorized vehicles up there. You can walk forever and never see a person. Um, there's bears and cougars and um, everything else, but that's where I hike. That's, you know, I leave my problems at the gate and I go hiking all day. Sure, that's sure. the way I live. And so I searched on that mountain for 17 days. Well, on September 17th, I got up and I went out with my dogs, walked up the same trail that I always walk up, the same trail that I took search and rescue on through the forest to show them where we hiked. Well, my dogs got very excited. They ran into the bushes. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. And there's no birds or anything. And I called them back and they were very excited. So I let them go again. And I crawled in the brush because it's very thick, dense brush, lots of blackberries. And I don't know if you've ever crawled through blackberries, but it's like crawling through razor blades. Really? No, I haven't. And so I followed my dog's trail about a hundred, only a hundred feet from my hiking trail. And I got to a place where I could stand up and I smelled this horrible smell. It was a horrific smell that I've never smelt before. And remember, I'm an EMT. I've <laughs> seen and done just about everything. But this, um, this made the hair on my arm stand up. Oh. And so I looked into the bushes where my dogs were standing. And, I, and it was very thick. And I could see his shoe and his pants. And I could see uh, bones. Oh, and already? And I didn't look any further. I fell to the ground and I was crying and screaming and and I called the detective and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. Um, I ended, I was able to crawl back out to my um, hiking trail and I was throwing up and I was on the phone with her, but I couldn't say anything. And then once I got back to my hiking trail and started crawling up the mountain a little bit, I just sat down and um, I could breathe and I got myself together a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I explained to her, all I could say, his shoe, his shoe. She's like, you found a shoe. I'm like, no. And um, I said, I found his shoe. I saw his pants. And that's all I could say. And Ooh. she's like, okay, we're on our way out. And I lived um, 
geez, the sheriff's office is about 45 minutes from my house. I don't know. So I had to get myself out of there and back down the mountain. And um, I did that and I got to the gate and um, I don't know how long it took me. I, it's like, it's like you're in a daze, you're in a fog. Yeah. And I got to the gate and there was a sheriff's officer there and I was still gagging and um, still difficult to breathe. And I had to walk him back up in there and show him the location. And then I had to walk back out again and wait for the other sheriffs and walk them the furthest I could make it that time was to the top of the hill. And I, and I just couldn't go anymore. And so they contacted the sheriff that was there and got the location and went there apparently. And I went home. Um, They, they did their thing and they came down and they asked me if I had ever seen his gun. I'm like, Oh my God, he had a gun. And they're like, did you know he had a gun? I'm like, well, we've target practice with my guns. Um, had he had a gun with him, you'd think he'd want to take his gun out in target practice. <laughs> my God, I didn't know he had a gun. I can't believe he had a gun. He never talked about having a gun. Um, that's his work bag. How could he have a gun in his work bag on the train? It's, 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 oh against company rules and so they said they found the gun um and a hard bottle of alcohol yeah. i didn't even know he drank hard bottle of alcohol did you know I this guy at all did you, what did you guys did you guys just talk about the weather what did, what did you do you didn't know anything oh no one knew oh, apparently no one knew booze. no one knew anything about him his friends <laughs> his friends the lady at the ranch. I mean, no one knew. And hey, did you ever go back to the old lady that referred you to this cat and say, "Hey, no, really, no, I didn't want anything to do with any of them." I think I think she was a part of it too. They all had lots of money and they all had connections and they there was embezzlement and there was all kinds of weird things. I didn't want to go back to her. I didn't oh. want to talk to any of them. I just wanted to be left alone. I went silent and I hid on my mountain. What? So what did they want from you? Like what? what uh, was he looking for a place to hide out? What was he looking for? I have no idea. I asked that question a million times. Why? Why me? And I realized I was never going to get that answer. And I realized even if I did get that answer, I probably wouldn't like it. So I stopped asking that question. That's probably a good idea. So <laughs> so this was like 18 days he was gone. And, and, and so he got up out of bed, rolled out, uh, and probably shot himself is what it's sounding like. Uh, and... and Man, I don't, I, uh, something's wrong. What? What? So then, what? <laughs> so then, um, the book writes itself. I mean, really? Come on. <laughs> no, it gets worse. It gets worse. Oh my god! Well, it's only an hour-long program. Let's get to the chase here. What? So okay. When, so we had cancer already. We had a death. We've had uh, uh, illicit uh, emails and and uh, and uh, what else could there harassment, be? Harassment, bullying, threatening, a train gang. <laughs> working on um, the train yeah and there was five of those train guys they i always call them the little circle jerk and they were the worst ones they would give me the hardest time so was he like they mob would, was it like a i like mob ties I, I wish i could put a name on this person but i can't because i don't know you don't even, I know can't his even name? read well he went by 10 of them oh shit so you don't even know his name well, I do know his name that everyone else calls him. But anyway, 
Ready? Yeah. Let's yeah. carry on. Uh, hold okay. on. Let me put my seatbelt back on. All right, go. <laughs> oh, man. So. And. And remember, my first 10 interviews, I cried. And then I got to a point where I oh, started owning my story and I stopped, cr cry. stopped crying. So, okay, <laughs> so I find the body and I report it. And then a couple of days later, I'm like, is it okay if I go there? Because we made, we used to do horseshoe art together where we'd weld horseshoes together and he'd bring railroad spikes from the railroad because I loved horses and he loved the railroad. So we kind of made horseshoe art. So we made this angel. I'm like, is it okay? I asked the detective, is it okay if I go there and I want to, you know, hang up this um, angel and I'd like to, you know, make a little memorial someplace where, you know, whatever. And she's like, why don't you give it a couple more days? Because they're still looking for the shell casing and the black bag. I'm like, oh my God, you're kidding me. And she said, no. I'm like, do you remember that picture of that hole I sent you? Um, what? almost two weeks ago. And you told me it probably didn't have anything to do with anything. The, the sinkhole with the stick sticking down in it with the moss off the side of the hole that I hike by every day by my trail. And I said, well, this is new. This stick is new. And she goes, oh yeah. I'm like, that's probably where the bag is, which is maybe 200 feet where I found his body. So she was like, do you mind if I send some some sheriffs up there and you can show them where that hole is? I'm like, sure, I could go dig in the hole if you want me to. She's like, no, don't go dig in the hole. I'm like, okay, so I didn't. And so the sheriffs come up and I show them the hole and they're like, hmm, okay, well, is it okay if we come back tomorrow with a tractor and dig up the hole? I'm like, hmm, sure. And so they searched where they found his body and they found the shell, the bullet casing. Okay, I don't know exactly where, but they found it there. And the sheriff told me that he apparently was his body was so highly decomposed because he had been eaten by a bear. Oh, there's gotta be a bear. Wow. A and bear. so they came back the next day, they found the shell bullet casing and they dug up the bag and they dug in the hole and they found the bag. Okay. So I'm sitting in my bedroom window waiting for them to come back down. And I see the tractor come back down to my property. The hole wasn't on my property. It was through the forest, okay. about 200 feet from my property line. And so I see the tractor come down and the 10 volunteers and the three or four sheriff's people. And I see the tractor stop. I'm like, that's weird. And you have to remember, I did take some criminal justice classes. And also I took the Citizens Police Academy. I just graduated with my associate's degree. Um, in 2018. So I'm watching the tractor and everybody up there. I'm like, this is really strange. So I walk up there. The sheriffs are going through the bag <laughs> in front of in front of 10 witnesses. And I'm recording them. All right. And I called a detective. She goes, tell them to leave your property immediately. They will be dealt with. So I told the volunteers to leave. And I told the sheriffs on the recording, do your job, do it thoroughly. And then I'm asking you to leave my property. And I'm asking you not to come back. They were tampering with evidence in that bag. They're like, it's not, oh. not your, I'm like, I know it's not my bag. I said, but you're tampering with evidence in front of, I counted them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They're like, yeah, they're here to watch over us. I'm like, protect you from me, one person. And you have 10 volunteers looking in the bag. Oh, and I have this all recorded. So they, the volunteers left, they zipped the bag, left some paper on the ground. I took pictures of it. I didn't touch it. The detective says, can you see what it says? I'm like, nope, I'm not touching it. I took pictures of it and sent it to her. And they took the bag down. They finally um, bagged it the way they should. They didn't ribbon off the hole. They covered the hole back up with the tractor. They didn't look for trace 
um, evidence. They didn't ribbon it off. They didn't look for nothing. There could be something else down that hole for all I know. Wow. I'm not going to go digging in the hole. No. So anyway, they did the bag properly. And then they, they, um, the police sergeant guy waved this pink inventory sheet at me. He goes, Hey, Lisa, Hey, Lisa, do you want to see what was in the bag? I'm like, no, I'm like, just leave it at the gate because he was trying to coax me to go back over there. For what? This, I have no idea. So he set it down. And I went and got that pink inventory sheet and they said they were itemizing everything in that bag. I have it on recording. Really? The pink inventory sheet said they found a black duffel bag belonging to Cameron Sheldon. That's all it said. Wow. And I have this on videotape. Now, the sheriff's office left my property. I was never a... You were never a suspect? Yeah, I was never a suspect. They told me I was never a suspect. They knew what this guy did. But at that point, the sheriff's office went quiet. They wouldn't return my calls. The detective won't return my calls. Really? Um, Yeah, so it's been since September 17th and I called them like two weeks ago and I was told that the case is not priority and that it's on the bottom of their pile. Really? And I said, this is ruining my life. I can't even get a job and this is not priority. I'm being harassed by these Seattle guys. They are calling me a murderer, a whore. I'm scared. I said, this is not okay. And you're telling me it's not priority and it's on the bottom of your stack. (laughs) That's how much my life means. I contemplated suicide um, months ago after this happened. I didn't want to live anymore because I was scared. My son had to leave the property and go live in the city with his older sister. I almost killed myself. And they tell me that it's not priority. Wow. So, So I got up and I'm like, my life is worth it. I didn't die. And now I have a voice and I'm going to use it. And I'm going to tell my story. And everyone that harassed me and bullied me. That's great. They're going to know what they did. So this is like, uh, this is fresh. This is still like, like ongoing and, and uh, like, uh, uh, it's not a, it's not like a, like a 10 year old case. This is like recent real thing. Not even a year old. So now it's not they priority. just left it at that? It, it's not priority. It was, never, it was never a homicide. It was always a death investigation. And but how many people know the difference unless you Google it or unless you go to school for it? So everyone, even in my town, think that it's still that I'm still um, a murderer and a scarlet and a whore. And I hate going to town. I hate going grocery shopping. I hate going to the bank because I'm treated so bad. So they call me Carol Baskins. And they say I killed my husband too. Wow. So, but they, they couldn't tell if it was a suicide or if it was a murder? They, they, they basically came right out and said it was a suicide. But the Seattle guys said that if they ruled this a, su- a suicide, that they were going to bring in outside agencies. And so the Seattle guys were threatening the sheriff's department as well. And remember, I live in a small town. I remember they screwed up the investigation from the beginning. But at no point you're thinking mob ties or like a bigger thing going on? Like, oh, yeah, it, it I seems, completely it seems to think be that. I, a little bigger than Walla Walla right now. <laughs> I know That's this crazy. is Seattle big. And, wow. but no one, um, like I said, the t- detective has never returned my call. She never even actually interviewed me. They brought one of my friends from Lincoln City Police Department to interview me. Um, 
that was a detective. They didn't even, the sheriff's office detectives talked to me. They never interviewed me. Wow. That is just insane. Do you, um, and you go over all this in detail in the book? I mean, oh, more than in detail. I had a Lincoln County Sheriff's Department um, worker living on my property that he rented the big shop for me from me, my big shop. Yeah. And he had an RV down there because housing here is so expensive. And I grew up in Eastern Oregon and that's where he was from. And his dad's a school teacher. He, and they're like, is there any way you have any where he can live? Because he got a job at the sheriff's office in Newport, Oregon. I'm like, sure. And so he got harassed so bad. And he was told that if he wanted to keep his job, he needed to move. Wow. <laughs> so he he moved. It was they was reported that we were having a love triangle. Um, so I was left alone for the very first time in my life. My 20 year old son had to leave. My renter, who was a Lincoln County Sheriff's Lincoln County Sheriff, had to leave my property. I was alone for the first time on a mountain, no streetlights, no nothing. And I was scared to death. They silenced me. Wow. Really? There's something going on. There's something. Holy moly. I was going to say you should write a book, but I think you already did that. <laughs> and when I did write, I, I was almost finished with my book, but I could never finish the last chapter. It never felt complete. And I took a break and then I got to thinking that's because this story isn't going to be about him. Right. He was a very small part of my life, two and a half months. This story is going to be about me, and it's going to be about me having a voice, taking my life back, chapter by chapter. This is going to be about me empowering other people that are bullied and harassed and feel like their life doesn't matter and feel yeah. like they don't have a choice. This is about no one sitting alone. That is incredible. They, uh, uh, when do, uh, when, so when does the book come out? Well, like I said, I changed some things, and then... I I started with the name Waiting for the Train mm -hmm. because I enjoyed being with him so much. I was always waiting for his train to come in. Yeah. That was our fun time. That was the fun time that I got to go off my mountain and go on adventures. I was always waiting for the train. Yeah. That makes and sense. And then when I, when I owned the story and I said, okay, I'm going to make this about what this story is really about. It's not about dirty in his name, whatever filth he had. Not, that had nothing to do with me. This story is about me taking my life back. So that's why I changed the name to I Am That Girl. Because when I wrote this book, I had to write it from a third person's perspective. And I had to start from the last chapter first. Ooh. And I always wrote her or she. I never wrote me or I. Because I had to look at it because it was so painful. Wow. And so this could happen to anyone there were no red flags. This could happen to your sister, your mother, your, your whoever. Oh, this yeah. could be any any woman. And we, instead of harassing and bullying, we should be building each other up and taking care of each other to prevent this kind of horrible thing from happening. I mean, this guy could have given me any kind of disease. I was already sick. I was already broken from losing the love of my life. And he did this to me and he knew and he didn't care. No one cared about me. But you didn't. He, he didn't ask to borrow any money. He didn't take anything or nothing like that. No, no. He had tons of money in the bank. Um, Man, that's crazy. So he would try to buy me things like new kitchen appliances and, and stuff. And I would never accept anything from him. I'm like, no, I don't need them. Don't. And he never did. I never accepted anything from him. 
he asked me to marry him. He wanted to go to Las Vegas and get married. Wow. Where's the black bag now? I Sheriff's office has, as far as I know. We got to get inside It's never bag. been reported on that they found it. We got to get inside that bag. I just, we got to. We should Zoom live from the sheriff's office getting in the bag. It'll be like Al Capone's vault, right? Like, right. we got to do it. That's a big key right there. I think that's book number two, the bag. Well, if they ever report on it, I mean, you'd think they'd have <laughs> well, to do I don't it. Think, I don't think they're going to now. What's his wife say? Where's his wife? Do you call her? Let's, hey, let's, no. let, let's, uh, let's conference her in. We can do multiple people in a Zoom. <laughs> we'll say that for another day have you ever I talked to her i talked to her one time like i said and that was just when she told me she found out about some of those emails when he said that she had died in a car accident and he was trying to hook up with people but they went to counseling and they that she thought they were okay wow was she she seemed pretty normal um well she seemed pretty hurt yeah yeah so so when when they found him on your property. When I found him on my property. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. When you found him on your property, who called her? And then what? I don't know. Oh. It were... So many pieces of the puzzle we don't have. Man. Yes. I just called the sheriff's office, the, the detective. I didn't call anyone else to tell anyone else anything. I. So this is still, when, when was the last time you talked to the sheriff's department? Mm, maybe two weeks ago. <laughs> the ink's not even dry on the book yet. And that's yeah. when they told me that it was it was not priority and it was at the bottom of their stack. Oh, come on, that's crazy. I um, I, I'm, I, you need to keep us updated on the book and what's happening. I know you're all over right now with talking to all these other podcasts, but they don't matter. They're not going to dig into this like we are here on the project. <laughs> we are diving into this. We are going to get inside that bag. I'm telling you, this is going to happen. We're going to put it on YouTube. It's going to blow up. This is probably going to lead into book number two, maybe even book number three. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a writer. I'm, I'm a radio I'm, guy. It's my job to, to put words to this thing. And this is what we're going to do. You're going to stay in touch with us. You're going to let us know when we get what, what our next move is. What is your next move? What are you going to do? Well, like I said, when I called the sheriff's office and they told me this was not priority and um, it was on the bottom of their stack, to me, that was a, the ultimate kick in the face. Hell yeah. And I'm like, that's bullshit. My life is priority. What about like the I'm FBI or, or the, or the, I don't know. Yeah, FBI. Are you at Marshalls? I don't know. I have no idea. That's when I started doing these podcasts was just two weeks ago after I talked to the sheriff's office because my life matters and I have a voice and I'm going to use it. I'm not going to be silenced anymore. What is, what is it's always going to be on the bottom of their pile. It's always going to be not priority. That is something. Well, you are on the top of our pile right now. I'm telling you that much. This is hot. This is breaking news. I feel like I'm on 2020. Like I'm Like I'm a, like I'm a, who's that guy in 2020? I don't even know his name. That's a chick, Barbara Walters. <laughs> if I could do a Barbara Walters impression, I'd do it right now, but I can't. Um, so Lisa, we got to wrap this thing up. We are an hour flew by. I don't, I don't feel like we got all the story either. I, I think there's more hiding in there, uh, but people are going to have to get the book. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find the book when it comes out, how long until we have an audio version. 
If you need a good voiceover guy to do the audio version, I know just the guy. <laughs> okay, I'll be in contact. <laughs> so um, you go ahead, tell I'm, people where they can find you. Um, I kind of jump-started on this two weeks ago when I was told that this is not priority and it's at the bottom of their stack. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to make this priority. So I started having a voice. I started doing podcasts and I'm, I hired someone to make a website for me for my book. So that is in the process and um, it should be done in about a week or two. Good. And so right now, that's all I have, unless you want my phone number and my email. No. You just got to wait for the website. You don't want to give that out. You think the tra- <laughs> you think the train people are a problem. The project <laughs> followers will not leave you alone, but they'll get this problem solved. They'll, they'll handle this. So what is the website going to be? Do you, do you have a domain yet? Um, yes, it is That Girl One. That Girl One. All right. The number one. Numeral one. All right, cool. Well, listen, what we're going to do is we'll stay in contact with you and uh, maybe follow up with you here in a little while once you uh, get everything up and running. And uh, and maybe we'll do a video version so people can get a look at you and uh, you can tell us a little bit more about what's going on uh, because uh, something's going to come. Something's going to happen. It's got to. It, uh, people just can't just disappear. That's really weird. I think there's some mob ties. I think there's a lot going on here. So I think so too. And I'm not going to be silenced anymore. Everybody. Uh, we thank Lisa for, for zooming in and, um, stay tuned to next week. Uh, otherwise everybody take care and, uh, we'll circle back around in a, in a week or so and see what's happening. Thanks Lisa. Thank you. That's it. That's the end. That's a wrap. Read the shtick. That's a wrap for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends. If you'd like to reach out, you can use the studio line at 612-504-6500 or by email, thedkprojectpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, there's always social media at the DK Project Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.